Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue, and as always, we appreciate you listening to the Bible Crossfire radio program. The Bible says in John eight thirty one and 32, Jesus speaking, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, that shows that we have to continue in Christ's word to be a true disciple. And if we'll continue in his word, we'll know the truth. The truth will make us free from sin, implying that things different from the truth, false religious teaching, won't make us free from sin. It's so important then that we continue in Christ's word. And then we'll know the truth. And then we'll be made free from sin. Anything less than continuing in his word, we won't necessarily know the truth. And we won't be made free from sin. That's why it's so important that we study the scriptures for ourselves, do like the Bereans did in Acts 17 verse 11, search the scriptures daily to see if what is being preached is so, so that we won't be a blind follower of a blind leader. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 14, if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. In other words, it's not going to be just the false teacher that's going to be lost. We're going to be lost also if we allow that false teacher to lead, lead us astray. If the blind Lead the blind, both will fall into the ditch, Jesus said. On this program, then, we're here to try to help and to try to teach ourselves what the Word of God says, hopefully to teach others what the Word of God says in opposition to the false teachings of man. In religion, 2 plus 2 cannot equal 4 and 5 at the same time. We've said that so many times. But we have all these preachers and churches teaching so many different things and people think, even though they're contradictory, because it's religion, they're all right. That all these different answers are all correct. Can't be. They can't all be correct. Only what the Bible teaches is correct. And we must abide in the teaching of Christ to have God to be saved. Second John, verse 9. Anton from Wisconsin, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Patrick. It's Anton from Canada. I'm in Wisconsin right now. Yeah, you driving, just making a trip? Yeah, that's right. How are you doing today? Be safe in your travels, Anton. We always enjoy getting to talk to you on this program. Oh, thank you very much. Hey, Patrick, you have four wonderful kids, right? I do have four kids. I I hope you would consider them to be wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) I think they are anyway. Did did you... uh, um, celebrate their birthdays when they were small or maybe yes, I did. maybe still maybe still do right still do uh, just okay. had one that's coming up a birthday in three days from now he'll turn 20 my third one will turn 23 in three days okay did you did you celebrate birthdays when they were like after they were born or like you you waited till they one were one year old until you celebrated right yeah i guess that's right you didn't celebrate their birth, birthday before they were born. No, I did not, Anton. Right. I know so you're going. I know you're going somewhere with this. I'm. <laughs> I'm really curious just to see where you're going. So. <laughs> okay. I'll. I I'll, I'll, uh, okay. I'll. I'll, uh, I'll get to my point. Uh, okay. So it, it, it's it's the same with the rebirth. You know, like when you're born again, uh, when you when you accept Jesus in in your heart and in, in your life. You, uh, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and then you celebrate with with your baptism. You know, like it's uh, it's the same with you know you you don't celebrate before they are born, before before we are mm-hmm. 
born again. You know, like we we are born again, and then we celebrate, and we get baptized and celebrate. Anton, you know, I, I, you ha, you're making an illustration or an analogy, and you know, have you ever heard the saying that illustrations never prove anything; they only illustrate, right? Uh, I, I haven't heard that before, but uh, that's okay. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I use illustrations all the time, but they're illust- to illustrate to help people understand, right? Yeah, what that's, the truth that's is. That, that's exactly to make make you uh, help you understand uh, that you know, yeah. like uh, that, that baptism don't doesn't save a person. That uh, that it's just a celebration after after salvation. So, but but uh, see, Anton, I appreciate you giving us the illustration. I like illustrations, but this illustration I don't think is true to God's word. Do we have a verse that proves somebody is saved first and that water baptism, their water baptism is only a celebration of the salvation that's already occurred? Do you have well, a verse uh, that would say that? We we have we have many examples. I mean the Bible teaches it in, in, in on so many uh in so many places that uh, that uh, we are saved by faith through grace and not of, of ourselves that that uh, nothing we can do is what is what can save us not even baptism you know like we, we see that sorry just just one more more point we see that in the in the thief on the cross because we know that he was part of the new covenant because he he di- died after jesus died and the blood of jesus is uh, you know that's when the new covenant starts. We 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 have that in the New Testament as well. That tells us that uh, uh, this is the, like when Jesus uh, celebrated the Passover with his disciples. He said, "This is the new covenant in in my blood." You know, so uh, that's that's when the new covenant starts. We knew, know that from the New Testament. Anton, you've made several points here. I'd like to respond to. Uh, do you mind? You uh, is that all you really wanted to, wanted to say? Yeah, I, I can hang up and, and listen to your uh, to your okay. stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Anton. Those are some Not, good points that thanks, we're going to try to respond to. My, thanks for taking my call, Patrick. We always enjoy getting to speak to you, Anton. Thank you much. Uh, okay. Thanks. Bye. And so, one of the points that Anton made, he he basically said that. Um, that the Bible teaches you're saved by faith, and therefore, according to his view, that would prove you don't have to be baptized to be saved. But you know, when the Bible says we're saved by faith, that doesn't prove we're saved at the point of faith. Let me give you an example. In Hebrews 11, verse 30, the Bible says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. So even though the Israelites had faith, that the walls would fall down if they walked. And and then the Bible says they fell by faith. It doesn't mean they fell at the moment the Israelites had the faith. They fell by faith, but they didn't fall at the point of faith. They fell after they were compassed about seven days. So passages like Ephesians 2, 8, 9 that say we're saved by faith, that's true. We are saved by faith, but it doesn't prove that we're saved at the point of faith. Let me... Let me um, try to elaborate upon that by turning to Galatians chapter 3, which is another famous passage that teaches we're saved by faith. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27, the Bible says, For you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 
So this passage, this context, is asserting that we're saved by faith. We're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. But notice what verse 27 says. It says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now this word for that begins verse 27, F-O-R in the King James Version, means to introduce the reason. So what Paul is saying here, inspired by God, what Paul is saying is that we become a child by God of God by faith, and the reason we become children of God by faith is that we have been baptized into Christ. So we're saved by faith because we have been baptized into Christ. And that kind of matches up with what I was saying about Hebrews 11.30. We're saved by faith, but not at the point of faith. We're saved by faith at the point we are baptized in water. Now, Anton mentioned that a person uh, in baptism is just celebrating sort of like celebrating his birthday, which occurs after the birth. And that's a good illustration, except for the fact that the Bible never tells us that baptism is a celebration of the salvation that's already occurred. Anton's right. When we celebrate my son's birthday, in three days, he'll turn 23, we're celebrating his birth, which occurred 23 years previous. But the Bible never teaches that water baptism is simply a celebration of the new birth that has already occurred. As a matter of fact, when we talk about the new birth, we see it mentioned in John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we see the necessity of the new birth in John 3, 3. But in verse 3, the Spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So verse 3 says, basically, that being a part of the kingdom of God is dependent upon being born again. Verse 5, Jesus reiterates that you cannot enter into the kingdom of God except you're born of water and the Spirit. So obviously, the way a person is born again is by being born of water and of the Spirit. And the only thing in the New Testament that involves water of spiritual significance is water baptism, the Spirit. And the only thing in the New Testament that involves water of spiritual significance is water baptism. So obviously John 3, 5, verses 3 through 5 is saying you've got to be born again to be saved. And it details that by saying the way you're born again involves water baptism. Now Anton also mentioned that a person receives the Holy Ghost when he's saved before he's baptized. Then he gets baptized later, like you're celebrating the birthday later. But Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now that gives us two important points in relation to what Anton said. First, it says that you've got to be baptized for the remission of sins, which means you didn't get the remission of sins previous to your baptism, and your baptism just celebrates that. No, you don't get the remission of sins until you're baptized. But Anton said you receive the Holy Ghost before you're baptized. But this verse says that you've got to be baptized to receive the Holy Ghost. It says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so Anton is incorrect. He's he's a very nice man, and we love him calling in. But he's incorrect on this point that a person receives the Holy Ghost in the sense that this is talking about before he's baptized, because this says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now what this 
gift of the Holy Ghost is talking about is the non-miraculous measure of the Holy Ghost that every Christian receives, that every person receives when they become a Christian. And this shows that you've got to be baptized to get it. Anton mentioned the thief on the cross, said that the thief on the cross, in effect, he said, was proving that a person is saved before he's baptized because he's right, the thief on the cross was forgiven before without water baptism, but as we've noted before, the thief on the cross lived under the Old Testament law, lived under the Old Testament law. He didn't have to be baptized for the same reason that Adam and and, uh, Moses and Abraham, they didn't have to be baptized. We've looked at Hebrews 9, 15 through 17 before that basically says, verse 16, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator, for a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. And so the New Testament law that requires one to be baptized did not go into effect until after Jesus died. So the thief did not live under the New Testament law that required baptism. Now, as far as Anton's point that the thief died after Jesus did, but we, we want to point out again to Anton what we've mentioned before, that Luke 24 tells us that this New Testament law did not go into effect at the moment Jesus died. Hebrews 9 says it, it went into effect after he died. Luke 24 pinpoints better for us when that would be. Luke 24:47 Jesus said, right before he ascended up to heaven, he says, "...and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning..." At Jerusalem, and we know that occurred in Acts chapter 2. So, according to this passage, baptism for the remission of sins first became binding, and I'm talking about baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, what we read about in Acts 2.38 in Acts chapter 2. So, let's get back to Acts 2.38. It said to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That means for a person to receive the remission of sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that is the personal indwelling of the Holy Ghost, he's got to repent and be baptized. It's not enough to believe. It's not enough to believe and repent. A person has to believe, repent, and be baptized to get the remission of sins. This is the requirement in the New Testament dispensation which began on that day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Jesus confirms this in giving us the Great Commission, which was given after the thief died in Mark 16, 16. He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. This confirms exactly what we've been talking about. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. You know, we see this also from the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Now, we have, I count, somewhere between 20 and 25 conversions or more, probably more like between 25 or 30 accounts of conversions in the book of Acts. The only one that's in there, more than once, is the conversion of Saul. The conversion of Saul is related to us in the book of Acts three times, Acts 9, 22, 26 must be pretty important. In Acts 9, Jesus appears to Saul on the road to Damascus. 
Verse 4, he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul responds in verse 5, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So at that point, Jesus has identified to Saul of Tarsus who he is, who the Lord is, Jesus Christ. Verse 6, it says, He, talking about Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city. It shall be told thee what thou must do. So there's no debating the fact. Everybody agrees that Saul believed on Christ on the road to Damascus. The Lord appeared to him. Saul said, Who are you? I am Jesus. And Saul said, Okay. And he, he obviously assented to that, that Jesus was the Lord, because he says, What will you have me to do? Go into the city. So according to the Baptist view, this view that a person is saved at the point of faith before water baptism, Saul should have been saved from his sins at this point. But instead of being saved at this point, he is told to go into the city. It will be told him what to do. And then God tells Ananias to go and tell Saul what to do. And Ananias does that at least three days later after Saul has believed, three days after he's believed, Ananias tells Saul in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, and now why tarriest thou? In Alabama we'd say, what you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Saul believed on the road to Damascus, but at least three days later he's told to do something to get his sins washed away. Obviously his sins were not washed away at the point he believed, the faith-only view, no, his sins were washed away later when he was baptized. Just matches up exactly what Jesus says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Matches up with James 2.24. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Matches up with Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. Talking about Jesus, it says, He became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. That's why I'm fond of saying, if you want to know what to do to be saved, just read this hymn you're singing regularly in your churches. Trust and obey. That puts it accurately and concisely. To be pleasing to God, we must trust and obey. Trusting or believing by itself is not enough. We must trust and obey. That's clearly what the Bible teaches. Todd from Memphis, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, I just have a question about just carry on the conversation of baptism. If, if baptism is necessary for salvation, why would Paul have said, I'm thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Christmas and Gaius? Uh, okay. 1 Corinthians 1.14. That, and then he says, okay. for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. How, okay, do, you, how do you get around those two verses? That's a good question. Let me look, let's look at first... Uh, 1 Corinthians verse one, that's uh, chapter 1, that's where you are. He's talking in verse 10, he says, Let there be no divisions among you. But he says, We want you to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. And it says in verse 12, Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So, Todd, what's going on in that passage is these believers... What they're doing is they're dividing up based upon who baptized them. So if Paul baptized them, they're saying, I'm a follower of Paul. If Apollos baptized them, they're saying, I'm a follower of Apollos. If Cephas or Peter baptized them, they're saying, I'm a follower of 
Peter or Cephas. And Paul is saying, no, it doesn't matter who baptized you. You're supposed to be a follower of Christ. So that's the point here. He's not trying to de-emphasize the importance of baptism to salvation, Todd. He's saying it doesn't make any difference who baptized you. He's thankful that he didn't baptize that many of them because they were trying to say, I'm a follower of Paul if Paul baptized them. So he's glad that he didn't baptize all of them. He said he baptized, you know, just the household of Stephanus. And so the point is not that baptism is not necessary to salvation. The point is it doesn't make any difference who baptizes you. That's the point of 1 Corinthians 1. You follow me, Todd? Yeah, just one more thing, Now I'll let you go. When Paul gives a detailed outline of, of, of what he considers the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-8, why does he neglect to mention baptism? And I'll let you go, Wayne Hanson. Thank you for taking my call, sir. Thank you. Thank you, then. You know, there's not a single verse in the Bible that tells us everything a person has to do to be saved. For example, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Sometimes that's used to say, well, people, all they have to do is believe. They don't have to be baptized. But what they don't realize is that verse doesn't mention repentance either. Does that prove you don't have to repent of your sins to be saved? And the the gay preacher I've debated a number of years ago is going to be saved, one who says he believes in Christ but doesn't repent of his sins? No. 1 Corinthians 15, then, is just like every other passage. It's not going to tell you every condition that's necessary to be saved. But Paul made it clear in his writings that baptism was necessary. Let's look at Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? So let's think about that. What Paul is saying is is that a person is baptized into Christ. That means if you're baptized into Christ, that means you're not in Christ until you're baptized. And if you're baptized into his death, I take that to mean you're baptized into the benefits of his death. That would mean that you're not in the benefits. You don't receive the benefits of his death until you're baptized. So Paul taught that a person has to be baptized to be saved. As a matter of fact, Todd brought up 1 Corinthians chapter 1 where Paul had said uh, that Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach. I want us to notice that that very context, I've already read the passages, the verses, proves that a person has to be baptized to be saved. He says in verse 12, Now this I say that every one of you saith, I have Paul, I have Apollos, I have Cephas, and I have Christ. In verse 13, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul's argument is this. He's trying to go against this point that they're saying, I'm a follower of who I was baptized by. And his argument is this. For you to truly be a follower of Paul, Paul would have had to have been crucified for you, and you'd have to have been baptized in the name of Paul. And so his audience knew that wasn't true. They knew that Paul was not crucified for them. They knew they were not baptized in the name of Paul. And therefore, that would prove to them that they were not followers of Paul. They shouldn't be trying to be followers of Paul. They should be trying to be followers of Christ. But the same then would have to be true about Christ. To be a follower of Christ, which is what we should try to be, according to this text, Christ would have to be crucified for us and we'd have to be baptized in the name of Christ. Do you see the point? This proves that to be a follower of Christ, a Christian, you have to be baptized in the name of Christ. Paul's argument is to be a follower of Paul, Paul would have to be crucified for you, and you'd have to be baptized in the name of Paul, verse 13, and they knew that wasn't true. 
That proves Paul's proving to them they're not really followers of Paul. But this, but that would have to be true about Christ to be of Christ, a Christian. Christ would have to be crucified for you, which is true about everybody, and would have to be baptized in the name of Christ. So the very context where Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, proves that a person has to be baptized to be a follower of Christ, a Christian. All Paul's doing in this context is saying it doesn't matter who baptizes you, but he proves in the very context that baptism is necessary to salvation. Now, if you'd like to learn more about this, send me an email, and we talk about this all day long to your heart's content via email, biblecrossfire at email.com. Also, don't forget about our... Don't forget about our free Bible correspondence course that we'll send you free in the mail. You can request that by sending me me an email at biblecrossfire at email.com.